I feel like I left y'all on a cliffhanger last week, so here we are back with episode 2.5, Unpacking Trauma. Let me put a disclaimer here. This may trigger, so if you are a survivor of any type of abuse, I would be mindful of that and just don't press play or don't continue if you're not ready I would prefer you to be ready for this next episode because I do go into a little more detail. Um, It's not explicit, but there is more detail. Hi there. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Nicole D. And I am your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope today's episode or this episode is helpful for you. I hope that it's enlightening, encouraging, empowering, and that you leave feeling so much better, have a a brighter outlook, and are just happy to experience a more life. Surprise! We're back with episode 2.5. Yes, that's 2.5. I wanted to continue Uh, what we talked about last week and bring more clarity and give specific examples on what I talked about, what I shared with you all as I unpacked um, or even attempted to unpack my trauma with you all. First thing, I did share what trauma is um, defined as, excuse me, in the last episode. So I would love for you, if you're just tuning in, this is your first episode, go ahead and start at episode one, because it may be helpful in understanding where we are going and why episode 2.5 even exists. Um, but trauma is just any event that we've experienced that has impacted or resulted in, um, our quality of life being affected, whether that's emotional, whether it's physical, in any capacity, um, it's it, that's what trauma is defined as. So oftentimes we look at trauma as it has to be some huge, uh, significant disappointment or a great level of abuse, but it's anything that impacts us, that alters our emotional state, our mental health um, in any capacity. So let's just keep that in mind as we're going forward um, with this podcast and with the rest of this episode. Okay. Okay. So last week um, I talked about just kind of vaguely about um, some of the things that I experienced and uh, how they shaped me and maybe who I am today. Uh, but I did not. I received some feedback uh, from some different people, some listeners, shout out to y'all, um, who really wanted to know more. And it was from such a pure place. It wasn't like, oh, I just want to be nosy and, you know, and find out more about Nicole. It, it's If that's why you're here, it, you probably need to stay anyway. So just go ahead and keep listening. But for those of you who really want someone Um, to relate to, who shares in your story, who shares in your pain, I'm going to share a little bit about my story and um, maybe you can find yourself and feel and understand that you're not alone. You are not alone. Okay. So just a disclaimer before I go into just anything about me is I want us to understand that no one on this earth is perfect. Okay. That we're all dealing with different 
experiences that have impacted us, um, not just ourselves, but from our parents, our grandparents, our teachers, our siblings, everyone on this earth is, has experienced something that has affected their perspective, that has affected their behavior, that has affected their interactions even with you and myself as well. So I want you to keep that in mind, even when you're thinking about your personal story. Um, but as you're listening to mine, I want you to listen from a, a place of everybody's dealing with something, regardless of the magnitude of it. As long as it's um, significant to you, we want to we want to we want to bring it to light. OK, because it's important to you and it's important for your healing journey. But I will say this. I am a sexual abuse survivor. I am a physical abuse, an emotional and mental abuse survivor. I have survived a lot of different aspects of abuse. And it is only by the grace of God that, number one, that I'm still here. Number two, that I'm still in my right mind. And by right mind, I mean that I am able to sit here and have this conversation with you via my podcast and have, you know, some good interactions, some great friendships and be able to thrive in spite of all that I've experienced. And so by right mind, that's what I mean. But I don't mean that I don't have moments of anxiety or moments where I recall a memory and it, you know, makes me feel a certain way. So I'm still walking through those areas, but I wanted to define that because I did hear um, on someone else's podcast that I was listening to it was an amazing podcast, but they, they, they mentioned right mind in a way that, alluded to it not it, it meaning more than what it meant you know what we as society have collectively defined right mind as right especially in the church culture you know we come to church on sunday and you're like stand up and give god praise because you're in your right mind and they kind of went on to say that some people aren't in their right mind but they're at church and i think when we say it in the church context that we're referring to you were abled able body or you thought about let me get up and go to church on Sunday. So not the depths of it where you're struggling with um, PTSD or you have an anxiety disorder or, you know, you're having a bout with depression. That is not what it's meant by that. So I did want to bring some clarity around that thought. OK, so like I was saying, I have survived many different things. And I, like I said, give all credit to God to for the for being such a provider, such a protector for bringing me this far. Um, and then just bringing me to a place that I, I, I want to confront all of the areas of my life that I have not been able to confront yet. Um, and if you listen to previous podcasts, you know why. Uh, but I was having a conversation with my mother the other day and shout out to her. She's amazing. Um, and I was just telling her that I have dealt with, I have confronted only one aspect of the area of trauma that I've experienced. And that was the sexual abuse. That was the biggest area of my childhood um, that had the most impact on my life. That season of my life, there was about two and a half years of sexual abuse that I experienced at very crucial ages um, between, I would say, I think it was six and a half, six years old to nine. Um, and my memory does not serve me correct. So you'll have to um, bear with me on that. That is something that um, survivors, uh, unfortunately, well, not even unfortunately, I would say it's fortunate because our brain literally is protecting us 
from those experiences and so that we can continue on and thrive in life um or even survive whatever that is you know we we're just we're just trying to make it so our brain protects us and so during that time period um I will say that it was very, very difficult. And as a young person who had just um, been separated from my mother, um, I was experiencing sexual abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse from a man. And I looked at this person as my protector, you know, as a father figure. And he took advantage of myself and you know, just really made life very difficult. And I don't even, I will say I've dealt with the sexual abuse side of it, but there were so many other sides to that event, ongoing event, let me say it that way, um, that I have not been able to deal with because there are some things that are still, that haven't even surfaced today. So as things arise, I'm gonna be able to confront those things um, and those feelings and those memories as they come. But as of right now, we're talking about this. So like I was saying, um, during that time period, I also moved a lot. I experienced homelessness. I experienced being in the foster care system. I experienced being in a group home or orphanage. So many different things I experienced in such a short window, but it was a long window because it was such a um, pivotal time of my development as a child you know, between six and nine years old, it's very crucial um, to a child's development. So not only that, but I changed schools a lot. I can't even count on one, two hands, how many elementary schools I went to between the grades of kindergarten to fourth grade. I really did not make very many friends. And when I did make those friends, we had to move again. So, um, that's another way that I learned not to attach myself to different things, people, places, because I was used to constantly being on the go. Um, when I finally got settled in fourth grade, when my mom returned, I finally settled in one school. I went to one middle school. I went to one high school and I went to one college for my bachelor's degree and my master's degree. So um, I was literally combating everything that I had experienced as a child in elementary school. So that stability was what I needed and I gave it to myself. So unconsciously or subconsciously, I gave it to myself. So shout out to God for that as well. Um, but while I was in those um, moving a lot and you know the, the abuse and all of that, I was, you know, I was terrified, but I had adapted to just being afraid. And so when I talked about in my previous episodes about bracing myself for impact, this is where it began. It did not begin as an adult. It began as a child where I'm bracing myself for stress, for stressful moments, for fear, um, moments where I feel threatened, which was a lot of the time. So I began to act out in school. I mean, things that were unheard of for me, I began to do in a cry out for help. And I remember in the third grade, um, my teacher, was you know dismissed me from class and i went to this what they called this special class and i remember being in there and it was just like a room full of toys and i just was like oh my gosh i get to be a kid so i ran inside of there and i just started playing with the toys i remember these two ladies with clipboards they were just writing and looking and writing and looking and i kind of felt weird because like why are they watching me um what's happening right now but 
I only went there once. I moved. So um, I believe that the school system was catching on that something was going on with me at home. And so, um, yeah, so that that changed and went to another school and was not able to get the help that I needed. And I remember one time in one of the places we lived, we lived next door to some firemen, you know, uh, paramedics. I don't know if they were firemen or firefighters or paramedics, but they're very similar. Um, and so I remember um, the man that I was living with tell me, um, you know, make sure you never talk to them. You don't tell them anything about what goes on in this house. And you can't even make eye contact with this, with those people. And so I lived in fear of even if he thought that I was going to say anything to those those paramedics or first responders is what I'll call them. So it was very like traumatizing even to go outside because I didn't want him to even think that I was going to say anything. Um, so I was kind of relieved when we moved from there because I no longer had to deal with that paranoia or um, the possibility of you know him thinking that I was going to tell. So it was just years of of that constant on repeat. And even with my relationship with food, there were times when I was, you know, forced to participate in eating when I wasn't even hungry. Like, so it was like, it was literally, I don't even know what to call it. Um, let me think about that. It was literally a plague from hell. I'll just say it that way. It was literally a plague from hell, like designed to destroy me. When you look at it from the spiritual aspect, you can literally see hell's handprint on every part of this experience, every single aspect, right? Um, that is my only explanation. Like you have to have been assigned from hell to destroy me. Um, and you partnered with the, with hell for this. but And that's the spiritual aspect. From a psychological aspect, there was something going on with you mentally to believe that this was number one, okay. Number two, that I should do this. But then I looked at it from another perspective of they must have been tortured themselves. And it's not so much that I'm sympathizing with the person who harmed me but also trying to understand in my own forgiveness process that they too were victimized. They were victimized as much as they victimized me. So I had to look at it from that perspective as well. And so I'm able to release that person from what they, what they did to me. So they no longer have power over me and I no longer look at them as a threat to me now. You know, when I'm, when I, before I had forgiven them, I re remember different things and it, and it still made me feel a certain way. Um, but now I, I look back and I'm just like, you were just so, so broken and so much evil was inside of you. And it had nothing to do with me, but somebody did that to you. So your response to confronting what was done to you was to do it to someone else instead of healing. And so I pray for the mercy of God for that person. And um, I will say that when I told my mom about it, we definitely went to court and we went to trial and I testified 
in the fifth grade on the stand and that person is still in jail in prison to this day um so justice was definitely served thank you jesus but i will say that impacted a lot of my life those two and a half years impacted a lot of my life um and that's not even including the different things that i experienced with school you know there were bullies at school i had to fight for myself um and then being you know a child going through so much it was so difficult to speak up for myself it was so difficult to make relationships and connections with people so i could have you know just like this this support so that i could have someone who would have my back so i did not have that either so i found myself being um a loner you know for a long time um until i finally got settled you know in fourth grade and met a lot of different people from there um some people that i'm still friends with today you know 25 we're not gonna go into all the numbers but a lot of years later we are still friends and so i really thank god for that and you really look at my life and really see the hand of god before i even got to therapy okay this is all before therapy um and i will say this but i posted a picture on my facebook page um last week and it was me at my fifth grade graduation and at the school i had been there for a year and a half i had started there December of 19, not even going to go there. Let me just take my 19 back. <laughs> but I started there the second half of my fourth grade year, and I graduated from that same school. And I remember being a, a C average student. And not that I wasn't smart. I the, the amazing thing is when I was going through all that moving between schools, I skipped a grade. I was very smart. But when I moved again, they put me back in my regular grade. So I did not um, continue in the the next grade level but when i got to fifth grade and my grades you know were c average i um i knew that at the award ceremony for our fifth grade graduation that i wasn't gonna get anything and i had been okay with that because i knew that i didn't work hard enough to receive um a and b honor roll so i think it got to the they were going through the letters they were called block b's those were the the awards for um great academics and they called my name last and they called my name last. And y'all, I, I was so excited and it really just reminds me of how good and gracious God is because I did not deserve that B, but somebody somewhere said, we're going to give Nicole this black B. And it really did something to my soul because I knew that I didn't earn that and but it was what I needed to keep going and so sometimes God allows people to see you right where you are and to give you just something that someone else might think is very small but that block B meant the world to me and it made me begin to apply myself in school so sometimes we just need a little mercy sometimes we just need a little compassion um to help someone who doesn't know how to ask for help and so there's fifth grade me and i looked at the picture and there was such a sparkle in my eyes my eyes did not look like a child who had just come from um sexual abuse and physical abuse and emotional abuse and mental abuse and homelessness and foster care and 
Um, it, it My face did not look like that. My eyes had not one ounce of trauma in it. Instead, there was joy. There was peace. I mean, it, it was just an amazing testament of God's faithfulness in my life that even though the enemy had developed this pure evil plan um, and, you know, facilitated all this in my life, that it still wasn't affecting me the way it should have, the way it should have. So here I am going into sixth grade and I'm just so excited to be in this sixth grade classroom and I'm applying myself and my teacher's like, Nicole, I want you to do this and take on this project. And I was taking the initiative to do things in class and my grades were increasing, except for in math, but math is now my favorite subject. Um, so it really just, yeah, that's another topic for another day. But I, I was a different person because of that block B. And there was one thing that I left out in fourth grade. My fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Heath, and I remember her name to this day. She was the sweetest person. And that year was the last year she was teaching. She was going to retire and move like to another state. And she gave me this abalone shell and she wrote my name on it. And she said, I want you to have it because you always come to my desk and you look at it. It was a beautiful shell. And y'all still have that shell to this day. That was fourth grade over 20 years ago. So well over 20 years ago. And um, I, I'm a person, I, I keep things that, that, that are important to me, very sentimental value. Um, but moving forward, I learned quickly um, that I had to keep going. I learned resilience. I learned these things. And some of it, I don't even know where I learned it from. It's literally the way the Lord created me is to to shake that quickly. It is literally a grace on my life um, and to not allow my circumstances. And it wasn't about being numb. It was more so just continuing, just continuing. Um, and so the friends that I met in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, none of them knew my background. No one knew where I came from. No one knew any of my stories until I wrote my first book in 2015. No one knew, you know, and probably would never have been able to tell. I went on to have a great teenage year. I was a part of the NAACP traveling, being host at the NAACP um, Image Awards and going to conventions in New Orleans and being a part of step teams and drill teams and dance teams. And, you know, I was living my best life, as they would say. In the midst of all of that I had endured and yet had not gone to therapy for. Um, I will say that I did go to therapy after um, the trial ended. And I don't know if I just did not connect with the therapist. I didn't really understand what was going on. And I just didn't see that it was necessary. I think I was about 10 years old and I, I wanted to hang with my friends. And I said, y'all are wasting my time. <laughs> literally how I thought y'all are wasting my time and I don't want to be here so I'd rather be hanging with the homegirls writing our little songs and acting like we were a girl band so um yeah I did not continue therapy at that age but I'm in a season now where I I want to look back and confront even the areas that I never did go back to um because I want to have the I want to have the best quality of life that Jesus wants me to have. 
I want my life to be abundant. I want to have the peace while on earth. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven to experience the, the life that God wanted me to have. That life is meant to be lived here. And I want to do everything that I can do to make sure that I have that. If there's anything in my power, you know, there are some things, like I said before in my previous episode that are out of my control, but I want you to think about you. I want you to think about what you've experienced. I don't care how big or small it is. I don't care how significant you think it is in comparison to others. This is not a comparison journey. I will say that. This is us just talking and me sharing my story and hopefully inspiring you to remember yours, to think about yours, to confront yours and and go from there and maybe seek out therapy or even journal or talk to a friend to just vent, right? Um, because I was listening to something earlier today and they were talking about um, journaling and how sometimes it's not effective. Um, journaling sometimes makes you re, um, ruminate over bad memories instead of finding out how to overcome. And so sometimes we need to step out of our own perspective to get the help that we need. Sometimes it's that friend saying, I, I understand where you're coming from and I can feel your pain and, um, and this is what helps me in situations like that. And they offer their perspective and then it makes you consider right outside of yourself to where you're able to, to look at your situation in a different light because that's what you know overcoming trauma really is, is being able to shift to a new perspective and a perspective that changes you for the good that allows you to grow, that, you know, increases your connectivity to people. You know, you have better interpersonal relationships because of this new perspective. And so as I unpacked my trauma with you today, and I didn't even go through everything, but I wanted to give you just more of the foundational points of, points of contact where trauma really entered my life and and it really made me who I am today. And I'm, I'm grateful for God's hand in my life and I'm grateful for, you know, relationships and the support that I have. And I hope that you have the same support, the support that's going to hold you up, that's going to listen to you, that's going to love you, that's going to hear your your thoughts and your pains and even your secrets and not judge you because of them. People are just going to love you for you and not what you have and not what you bring to the table and not for your title or your money, your bank account or your degrees, but just you. So as we continue this heart to heart conversation, I want you to know that I'm here. And you can leave a voice message on, if you're listening on Spotify or if you're listening on the podcast, if you go to the show notes, you'll see, you can leave me a voice message or you can leave me an email or you can leave me a DM. There are many ways to find me and I'm here. So I understand what you're going through. I understand what you've gone through and I'm here to listen. So from my heart to yours, until the next episode, talk soon. You've just listened to Heart to Heart with Nicole D. I'm so glad you're here. Make sure that you leave me a rating on anywhere where you are listening to this podcast. Be sure to share this information and check me out at www.iamnicoleevans.com or I'm on Instagram at I am Nicole Evans, Twitter at I am Nicole Evans, 
Facebook, Nicole Evans Ministries. Connect with me. I would love to meet you um, and learn more about you next time.